0: you're listening to the casting for fun podcast the show that talks about entertainment sports music and inspirational stories for all to enjoy we're glad you could join us today sit back relax and enjoy the show now here is your host albert pineda
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this week's episode is for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. And you just heard the iconic call made by uh, legendary uh, Dodgers broadcaster, Vin Scully, calling the improbable home run from Kirk Gibson to win game one of the, the 1988 Uh, World Series against the Athletics and as we all know the Dodgers would go on to win that series and win the World Series in 1988 and we're celebrating now the 35th anniversary of that particular play and that particular season on October 15th so this coming Sunday so I thought it was perfect time to uh, commemorate and celebrate that momentous occasion uh, by honoring it here on the Casting for Fun podcast so to join me this week I'm having two very awesome great guests great friends of mine Uh, Jeff Haskins and Tad Turner to talk about that historic season, that historic play, the historic call by Vince Scully, everything related to the Dodgers uh, during that particular year in 1988 to celebrate its 35th anniversary. And we have a lot of fun talking about it. It's always great to catch up with old friends and then especially great to get to talk about the, the Dodgers, why we love the team so much, how come the city of Los Angeles loves the team so much. Uh, very important to focus on right now, particularly when the team is not doing so well in the postseason. In season. So later tonight, we'll be game three of the uh, division series against uh, the Diamondbacks, hoping that they can pull off a miracle. Uh, It's likely that they they may not get past uh, uh, Arizona, but regardless of what happens, Dodgers organization is well loved by the city of Los Angeles. Lots of rich history to discuss and a bright future ahead of them, even if uh, there's no uh, World Series championship this season. Uh, so anyways, again, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jeff and Tad. Again, it's always great for me to to catch up with old friends and to talk Dodger baseball and that uh, we get to celebrate this momentous occasion, which again, as Los Angeles sports fans, we would consider it maybe perhaps the greatest moment in the history of professional sports. So, so here we go. This is my conversation about the 1988 World Series champions, Los Angeles Dodgers, celebrating their 35th anniversary with. Jeff Haskins and Tad Turner. Well, joining me tonight for this episode, it's uh, Jeff Haskins and Tad Turner. Jeff, Tad, how are we doing tonight?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks.
1: good. 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 Good to see you both. And it's uh, really exciting to, to commemorate and celebrate what many of us would consider not just the greatest play in the history of the Dodgers and the history of baseball, maybe even all professional sports.
0: Well, it was certainly one of the demonstrations of man's desire to overcome his situation and, and do better, be better than himself because, well, I get, I, I, I've got some pretty interesting insights into Kirk Gibson himself that I'll, that I'll share a little bit later, but, um, that whole team, you know, the Dodgers were like the fourth best team uh, statistically that year, they, they weren't expected to come, come anywhere near the Oakland athletics. They, the Oakland A's, they were a force. They had the the Bash Brothers that year, you know Mark McGuire and Jose Conseco and these guys were not to be messed with, and they uh, they got schooled. I mean, they were definitely overachievers. I mean, that
2: was the funny thing about them was they, on paper, were nowhere near as good.
0: Yeah
1: it was yeah. very interesting to, oh, sorry, Jeff, started to cut you off. Uh, it was interesting as I was preparing and studying for the, to learn more about this particular year for the Dodgers, because again, I was really <laughs> young. I was only eight years old when this whole mm-hmm. thing happened. But I mean, to, I watched a documentary on YouTube, uh, an old MLB, like a VHS cassette called uh, Through the Eyes of a Winner, narrated by Vin Scully. It's a really, really cool documentary. Uh, it's interesting to learn that the previous seasons before that, the Dodgers were were pretty crummy, not very good at all that, uh, that last and hitting uh, highest in errors in, in the league. Uh, so it, like you mentioned, Jeff, it was interesting that they made changes and throughout the whole season, there was lots of adversity that they had to deal with in order to get to the world series, which was pretty interesting to learn about.
0: Yeah, I would, I would say that it, that's a lot to do with uh, Tommy Lasorda. That, that was, that was some of his best years right there. Mm-hmm. And, um, in, in, uh, well, you look at what happened yesterday. I, I want to talk about a little bit about what happened yesterday. Uh-huh. It kind of broke my heart watching a, a a hero, someone who maybe that was just one too many games. I don't know. That that was that. You guys see what I'm talking? Did you see the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh watched, yeah, it was. It was I, depressing. Uh, yeah, I watched the whole thing, and you know there's one thing about the Dodgers. If you if you were to ask me what part of the body the Dodgers were. They're, they're the heart of baseball. And by the heart, I mean, when their champion was down, I mean, only completing a third of one inning uh, before getting pulled, um, That was it. I knew that was going to be it because the Dodgers go the way of uh, their leader. You know what I mean? It's, um, I knew that that was going to be a real tough one for them to overcome right off the bat. Just be, not not because the score was so lopsided, not that that's not the point. The point is, is that they're the it's like sinking the flagship in a in, in an ocean battle. That's that's the end of it. Everyone else just pack up and go home, and we'll try again on Tuesday or Monday or whatever. And to and to have a team like the Diamondbacks, like last year, have the the flipping Padres. Holy crap! I mean, they it's like having a champion bred cocker spaniel that is is made just for hunting it's an excellent dog and you know you're saving it up you're gonna you're gonna create puppies that will sell for thousands of dollars to hunters and then some mongrel gets in the yard and knocks it up and you're left with a litter full of mongrels you know what i mean (laughs) to me to me letting the padres for the diamondbacks into our house and allowing them to screw up our litter it just didn't the the whole wild card thing to me doesn't make sense and that's why the 88 Dodgers did make sense because they didn't have that kind of stuff they only had to go through the Mets and then that was it that yeah. you know what I'm saying it's almost like having a, a a brand new car and you park it in the target parking lot and some dude in a 67 micro bus comes and opens the door and slams into it <laughs> that's that's how I feel about the doggone the Diamondbacks and the Padres you know it, they're okay but Put them away. The end of the season is there. They, they yeah, they let them, let them, let them go on vacation while the Dodgers play, you know, the Braves, or while the Dodgers play the Phillies, someone that's actually their caliber. Well, I'm with you. I, I, I'm not a
2: huge wild, you know, wild card fan. I think I miss the old days where the, it, the regular season meant something. Yeah, you know, and then you had the the best team in the East and the best team in the West facing each other. I thought there was more drama, you know, and, and so the, I, I'm with you. I totally missed the, the series, right? Cause we all knew LA and the Mets was going to be huge yep. in 88. I mean, yeah. it was must watch television. It was, it built all year long. And it yep. just, to me, it made it so much more exciting.
0: Yep. And really, that was really the world series. If you look at the stats, the, the statistics on it, you know, they, they went seven games and yeah, uh,
2: Great series,
0: yeah. That was that. That really was. I know. I know. We're here to talk about specifically about the World Series, and and uh, I, I think it, I think the idea that we have been dealing with, with a two man rotation for the you know for, in our pitching this year, and still came out with one hundred wins for the fourth time, the fourth time in full years. That's a, an MLB record. It's never been done yeah. before. And we have to sit here and watch the freaking Diamondbacks, uh, you know, crap in our yard. It just really bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. It just really does. <laughs> I, I don't think there should be that much of a layoff between the end of the season and the first playoff game. And I don't I don't think we should allow mongrel mutts to get into our yard. It's just. No, and, you know, I don't I don't like the
2: fact the whole buy thing, you know, baseball. I think you take a week off. I think it hurts you. Yep. So you got a You got a team who's been playing all week coming into our home. We haven't played in a week. It it. I just think there's a huge advantage for that wildcard team that that the winner of the division. I mean, you know, in baseball a week off. Yep. It's just too yeah. much. Mm hmm.
1: Well, you know, that. I previously I had mentioned, yeah, that I wanted to focus on the 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 World Series to celebrate its 35th anniversary. But I mean, the whole season, I think, was actually really fascinating. So yeah, having a discussion and talking about that, I think would be really cool, too. So going back to your point earlier, Jeff, about uh, Tommy Lasorda, it was interesting to learn that uh, he won his 1000th game on August 27, 1988. So it was kind of a momentous occasion for the whole team in various aspects, which is pretty cool. And then we talk about, you know, the team having to kind of rebuild in order to be competitive. You know, chalk it up to management, as you mentioned, Jeff, that yeah, Tommy Lasorda did an excellent job managing the team. Uh, GM Fred Claire made some uh, some good acquisitions during the offseason, including yeah. getting uh, Kirk Gibson and uh, Mike Davis. Who Mike Davis, I mean, let's not sleep on him. He had a really important home run in the World Series as well. And I think game three or game four. Yeah. So uh, there's lots of well that, aspects of uh, the 88 season, to be honest. Well,
2: right. And, and we, 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 mentioned Fred Claire. I mean, you have to remember too, that Al Campanis got fired.
0: Yep. I think that off
2: season before.
0: Next, yeah. For that, for that comment he made. Yeah.
2: For that comment he made. So, yep. I mean, it was, it was new management as mm-hmm. well as, you know, like a new team. So it was yep. kind of a situation that the Dodgers hadn't been in in a long time. So I, re- I remember when they made some of those moves, because the Dodgers had always kind of built from within. It yeah. was really the first time that I can ever remember they went out and got a guy like Fred Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know, they went out and got a guy like Mike Davis who was coming off really an All Star type season.
0: Yeah,
2: and the- I remember the talk in LA was like, "What are we doing here? Like, we don't we don't do this in LA. Like, th- like what the heck is going on this Fred Clare guy?" Yeah. So yeah. I almost think it had to work for him or he probably
0: wouldn't have lasted in L.A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, a, a name that doesn't get brought up enough is uh, Peter O'Malley. He, he owned yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And for an owner to uh, be able to invest where it's smart to invest, it, it's not as simple as it seems. It doesn't seem to be as easy of a decision. Um I, for instance, going back to today, I know I'm I'm digressing by progressing, but Cody Bellinger, I I really think we should have held on to Cody Bellinger. Um, I saw I saw James Outman, and I my hats off to James Outman. He's had a really great rookie year, but I I don't think we'd be in this mess if Cody Bellinger was sitting out there in left field this year. Uh, during the series, he would have caught that ball. He would have he would have um, you know that's just that's just the from the perspective of ownership. Uh, Peter O'Malley was always the kind of guy that would give Tommy Lasorda and the, these guys the, you know, the, the financing, the backup that they needed to, pro- to produce that kind of team. And two other names that I want to bring up real quick, too, to discuss tonight, Oral Hersheiser and uh, even Steve Saxon, And I don't really even like that guy. But, you know, what a player. What a ball player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, personality and pretty boy aside. Yeah, shoot you know my hat's off that guy became a, a what did he ever make the MVP? did he ever win the mvp he, he, i don't think so i think he got a batting title though I, it, I a
2: batting title he may have won the mvp i don't think so
0: yeah yeah but Orr that Hurt, guy was he good was. yeah or yeah, like, he got the yeah. MVP. um and he deserved it man that guy went 59 consecutive innings without a run without a, a hit you know i mean that's incredible that's the bullpen. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I I'm not sure that'll ever be topped. Right, right. And you see a, a spectacular moment with Kirk Gibson. And I certainly wouldn't take anything away from that. But you know what, boys? They would not have won without Oral Herschel. No, and no. There's no way. Absolutely that guy, not. That guy performed magic and he would he pitched complete inning, complete games, uh, which is unheard of these days. And he and did, came out of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he, I think he started two games during the the World Series, and completed those two games, and he came out of the bullpen. Yeah, and, you know, the bulldog. That's 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 a day in and day out thing. You know, Kirk Gibson definitely ignited that that match and got it burning, but in the first game, uh, but uh, but the bulldog and those and those everyone else did an incredible job in that you know you can't just win with one guy you got to win with a team it's a team effort
2: yeah um, i remember tim tim belcher was a rookie that year and he had a great postseason. Yeah. uh i mean a, just a great postseason.
0: so was mickey hatcher on that team yeah mickey hatcher was, was on that team yep. yep yeah i was just looking at my at my notes i know he was on a team and he was i, I saw him at uh at the LA County Fair a couple of years ago standing in a booth with a couple of other guys the 1988 um world champions oh awesome just, just standing around and and uh, I remember I remember him he, he was he was a big part of that because he was so uh consistent and resilient um as many members of uh, Mike Sosha uh Steve Yeager uh one of the toughest men in sports you know it, it, this was a this was a stack. Well, I mean,
2: and, you know, Sosha, I mean, to leave the World Series and go back to that Mets Series, remember he had that big home run. I think it was in game seven. Ooh. And he was not a home run hitter. Right. And I think he only hit, like, he hit around, what, 260, 265 that year?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: But, man, the guy was clutch. In, in big situations, he seemed to just come up big all the
0: time. Yeah. I was, I was looking through the stats, and I think there were uh, five players on the team that were over 280. Uh, batting average I think it was five or six players you know that's that's a good solid team that's yeah. not Freddie Freeman elite or Mookie Betts elite at this moment but that is really good solid you know those are the the real workhorses
2: yeah Franklin Stubbs had a good year that year yep. uh, yeah Alfredo Griffin he had a good season John John Shelby yeah. I, I remember him that year he he was just electric that season.
0: Yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot, uh a lot, a lot about that team that that created that sensation. But I I you know I don't think it could have been held together any better or by anyone else other than Tommy Lasorda. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who knows the story about what happened that day with, with Kirk Gibson? Who knows the details of it?
1: Uh, I don't. So, if you could fill us in, Jeff, that'd be really cool.
0: Well, it's not like I was there. You know what it was, Dad? What happened? Wait, is it the
1: one, the one where he was on the down in the on the
2: training table getting worked on? Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he just went, you know, got dressed, went and got a bat, went down to the uh, at the end of the tunnel. There's a, a tee with the net, and it's it's funny you mentioned this, uh, Jeff, because you could take a tour down at the stadium, and it's one of the things they talk about. And uh, he was uh, he was just hitting off a tee, he could barely hit off a tee, and he yeah. called Mitch Poole, I think was his name. Uh, I think at the time it was a, one of the bat boys, mm-hmm. and he told him to go tell Tommy he was ready if he needed yep. him. Yeah, I think Tommy thought he was crazy.
0: Tommy did think he was crazy. In fact, yeah. he didn't even want him in there. He didn't. He still yeah. didn't want him. And then Kirk <laughs> went ahead and just helped himself into the bullpen, out of the bullpen, the dugout. Uh, and people, you know, players didn't just come and go in and out of the dugout back then. That was that yep. was something that you get you get called in. You're you're in. But he just came in, and Tommy saw him, and and Tommy was smart enough to realize, okay, I think he felt something. Yeah. When or, I
2: I remember because I remember this watching on TV, and when he entered into the dugout because he hadn't been there all game long, yep. they the cameras went to him in the dugout. Yeah. And there was there was a buzz. You could feel it even at home watching on TV. There yep. was something different there Yeah.
0: because,
2: you. I mean, I remember Vince Scully saying he can't he's got one leg. He can barely walk. Yeah. But you just I mean, you almost felt like I mean, he like he was the MVP of that team. You you got to put him out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A, a bad and, I mean, everybody wanted it. Yeah. Two bad knees and a bad hamstring. And he was he was supposed to be done for the season. And he came out and Vince Scully, I I was listening to it on the on an AM radio. And I heard, I heard Vince Scully say, say, well, this is, it was almost like, well, this is the last ditch effort. Um, And he, I wouldn't say that he questioned Tommy, because I don't think anyone did that. But he definitely was saying, well, okay, this, this is a do or die situation or something. I can't remember exactly what he said. I do remember exactly what he said after he hit the home run. The, in the season of the impossible or improbable the impossible just impossible happened. yeah happened. yeah and uh the way that guy went around the base of limping um and just just pumping his arm that, that was incredible that that was that was a, a a phenomenal thing but a little bit about kirk gibson you know he was a linebacker he played football and he knew a little bit about strategy and intimidation earlier in the season. He took he he uh, he scored. Let me think. I think he hit a double, and there was a bobble in the in the um, in the outfield, and he saw the opportunity. He was not a lickety split fast runner, but he noticed that the catcher got pulled and the pitcher was covering home base. So from second base, this linebacker comes rounding third, didn't pay any attention to the third base coach. And he's coming, and he's eyeing the pitcher. Like, you gonna stand in my way? You that dumb? And the pitcher did what he, a pitcher should have done. He got his butt out of the way, and uh, didn't matter where the the throw went. He knew the art of of one one step ahead. What's gonna happen if I come up to bat? Everyone's gonna feel that pressure in the in the '88 world in the first game. Mid season, he knew that his intimidating style was going to remove that 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 pitcher was going to run for cover because back then we had collisions we oh yeah we had brain injury collisions back then i don't know if you've heard steve yeager talk lately but um (laughs) (laughs) but um watching him watching him round that corner and charge because i watched that very game and charge it looked to me like he was going to take the sod up with him the way he was running and that pitcher, yeah, that pitcher took. You know, he didn't even have to get a fourth of the way to home base before that pitcher basically looked at his dugout and backed backed off, dusted the plate off. Well, he, it. you know, he had a he had a play earlier
2: in the season where there was a pass ball, and he yeah. was on second base. He scored from second base. Yeah. It's the only time I've ever seen that happen.
0: Yeah. And
2: it was the same kind of thing. I mean, he just put his head down, and nobody wanted to get in his way. Yeah, because he was going to run him over.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And what are you gonna do with it? That's the that's the idea. That's the mind game. You can't can't do that now. I mean, you know, yeah. you just get removed from the game. But uh, you can't, yeah. It, that kind of that kind of gamesmanship is what I was saying. He was good at that. He saw yeah. he saw an opportunity. And uh, well, it's a run. A run is a run, right? How yeah. many games are won in one run? Uh, a lot. And then he and then he proved it again. In the in game one, where he knew, you know what, I'll bet you anything. He he had in mind. All I got to get up there to do is swing the bat because of who he is and how intimidating that was going to be. In other words, I'm playing. I'm playing the world's best team, and I'm sitting here on two bad legs and a hamstring, and and I'm going to come up and I'm going to beat you anyhow. And he did it. Yeah, that was that was a, an amazing moment in sports history. Um, But if you understand who Kirk Gibson was and and how he played the game, even if it was football or baseball, that's, that's, that's exactly what made the Dodgers um, great that year. I think efforts. One of the, you've heard the interesting
2: story about um, the advice he got from one of the coaches uh, before the series started it might have even been earlier in the year, there's a story where he said he was told by this coach if Eckersley gets ahead in the count, he likes to throw the back foot slider. Mm-hmm. And so he was sitting on that pitch. You know, they said he was waiting for that back foot slider, and that's the one that he hit out. But I know they, they've they interviewed Eckersley, and he said, I don't I don't re- ever remember throwing a back foot slider like that, mm-hmm. ever. Uh, so he said, I don't know where where that coach got that information from. Uh, but Gibson remembered what he had been told, and and he was waiting for that
0: pitch. And when he got it, he didn't he didn't miss. I heard someone say he didn't even have his eyes open. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there were all kinds of funny stories, you know, incredible stories uh, about it. Uh, but the truth of the matter was, I think he scored that run before he even swung the bat.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I remember Vince Scully saying he said the guy can't run. He might yeah. hit a ball off the wall and get thrown out at first base cuz the guy can't move. Yeah. But basically was going to take a home run for him to even reach base.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty remarkable.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the rest of the series was remarkable also for for many different reasons. Um I think I think that it was um like I said a an amazing testament to Tommy Lasorda and, and Albert if you've studied the if you've studied, you probably know more than I do about the actual statistics and stuff. But for a team like that, there was basically a fourth place team um, to beat the the A's at the time with the Bash brothers and all the hype surrounding the I remember how intimidating I was. I I didn't get to see it, but Willie Stargell was an A and he hit the ball into the parking lot at Dodger Stadium. You know, they, they always had that presence, that strength. Yeah. It's like you, just, you know.
1: Well, going back to the, the point that you had made, Jeff, about just what made the team so great. I mean, I, I really look at all the adversity they had to overcome. Just the fact that in the midseason, they lost both Fernando Valenzuela and Don Sutton to, to injuries. So, mm-hmm. so they were done for the, the rest of the season. But then as Tad mentioned, they were able to pick up uh, Tim Bulcher. So a huge addition to the team as well. And then you look back to the, the first game against the Mets for the, the championship series for the National League. They lost that game. In a a seven-game series. Uh, In fact, actually, I have it here in my notes that uh, Hersh, I'm sorry, uh, Hershiser was up uh, two runs, and then they still lost uh, game one, which is pretty crazy to think, but And then they had to go to New York at Shea Stadium under terrible conditions. I think the first game at Shea was like delayed and it was really bad weather conditions that they had to deal with. And then you look at game one of the World Series, uh, Jose Canseco hit a grand slam against Belcher. So, you know, things like that could be dejecting to a team. Like, you know, as as you mentioned, Jeff, with last night's game, that if something like that happens, it's just it can be detrimental to the psyche but you know the, the spirit of the team would be to just you know battle through all, all the adversity they were going through and you know you'll pay attention to what coaches had been saying like to the point Tad had made about uh, uh uh kirk gibson you know watching for that pitch yeah. so thing, things of that nature i think what made the team really really special that when you're down on the ropes you're able to get yourself back up and then just keep fighting and playing so it's a true testament to just how great that team really was
2: and you remember, I think it was in the playoffs, they lost Jay Howell. Their closer was suspended.
1: Yeah. Because
2: he, right, he had that file on him.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean,
2: that was yet another piece of adversity that they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they really did get hit with a lot that season. But check yeah. this out. I thought this was interesting. So, you you brought up the Ho- Con- Jose Canseco Grand Slam, which mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was in the first or the second inning. But I remember it was early in the game. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember as a kid, it was. I remember just the feeling of like, oh, this game's over. You know, I mean, you just don't recover from that. But check this out. So I found this. It says, Game 1 is the only game in World Series history in which a Grand Slam hitting team yep. failed to both win the game and the series.
0: Yep. Yep. I read I, I the same thing when I was looking over these notes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, logic would dictate right at now. that
1: point that, yes, the Dodgers uh, are going to lose that game and the whole series. But, I mean, if what I would tell every, all the teams is like, don't listen to logic. I mean, if you have faith in yourselves and want to the desire to compete, then go out there and do it.
2: Right. And Jeff brought it up. I mean, that, that A's team was, I think one of the best teams I had ever seen in my life up to that point.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: because it wasn't, and it wasn't just the hitting their pitching staff was like pretty incredible too. I think yeah. Dave Stewart won 20 games that year. I mean, he was lights out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I think in, I think in, in almost every category in the media,
0: the Oakland A's had the advantage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Bob Welch, Storm Davis, uh, Dennis Eckersley, and and Rick Honeycutt was on their was on their pitching staff. I um, mean, they were that, good, really yeah, good. It was incredible, you know this. And they were they were intimidating. They were they were big and strong and yeah. Like I said, the, the Bash Brothers were were in full strength back then and that was before they were enhanced mm-hmm. you know um yeah when Mark well like Larson, you said Dave
2: Parker were, I mean Dave, Dave yeah. Parker was a specimen too that guy was yeah. huge
0: yeah yeah I just remember being impressed with the long ball with the with the Ace and like I said that one ball I don't I think there was only one Dodger I can't even remember who it was there was only one Dodger in history that hit the ball out of the ball out of the ballpark and I can't but, but Willie Stargell was the other one for the when he played with the oh no he was a pirate
2: yeah he was a pirate I know Mike
0: I know uh, Mike
2: Piazza did it
0: mm-hmm.
2: he did uh, it he once in the parking lot yeah he hit it but he hit it over the bullpen into the parking lot over the bullpen oh because remember back then it was it was yep. Yep. before the renovations it was you know that walkway to go to the bathrooms was behind the bullpen and then right behind that was the fence to the players parking lot
0: yeah so and he that did that I think it was that, that wasn't as far as the, that was about four hundred and probably about four hundred and forty-five feet or so, maybe four fifty. Would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, Dave, I know. Was way over five hundred. Yo, yeah,
2: you No, know, hit it over the pavilion. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, what's his name? Who's with the Yankees now? Stanton. Stanton. I think Stanton did it once also.
0: Oh, I haven't more seen it. More recently,
2: him. yeah, more oh. recently he hit it uh, over the pavilion. Yeah. yeah, that guy's
0: a beast. I mean, it's like a professional. Yeah, he's big, man. Or something yeah yeah he's big yeah. Mm-hmm. oh very cool i
1: wanted to go back to to hersh uh hersheiser uh, because again i think it's uh as you mentioned jeff i mean he's kind of maybe the unsung hero because just of how spectacular that play was for uh for Gibson, uh, but as you mentioned, yeah, without Hershiser, they're not winning the World Series that year. Uh, mm-hmm. And going back to to Tad's uh, point about the the record, it was actually really cool. So I was just doing research, researching some stuff on MLB.com to look at it. So as it's so to to win the record, Kershaw had to be Don Drysdale, who mm-hmm. set the record for the Dodgers twenty years prior to that at a uh, mm-hmm. fifty-eight innings. Uh, yeah. Before that, so against a couple of players that I didn't even know about or really just vaguely familiar. I mean old timer. So like uh, Bob Gibson for the Cardinals at 47 innings. Uh, he was number three on the list. The most recent one was Zach Granke uh, who did it for the Dodgers at 45 and two third innings in 2015. So to Tad's point of like a player being able to do it, I don't know if anyone's really going to do that. If 45 is the closest anyone's gotten in recent years, but, but yeah. it is interesting to to look at that stat and just how amazing and phenomenal uh, Hershiser was winning the Cy Young that year, World Series MVP winner that year as well. So yeah. uh, a team effort for sure. But I mean, Hershiser was just an amazing, wonderful player.
0: Yeah. And he probably made $20,000.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. I yeah. mean, you know, that
0: season,
2: that season probably ruined his career. I mean, the amount of innings that he pitched, you know, getting into the postseason, pitching as often as he did, he was never the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Never the same. I've seen interviews with him where he's talked about it. And he's mentioned that. That it probably did, you know, he was never the same pitcher after that. But he said, I wouldn't trade it.
0: Mm-hmm. I and mean, they wouldn't, yeah. why do you play? You play to win a World Series.
2: You Joe know, Davis, and he did that. Joe
0: Davis was talking to him, uh, you know, they they commented, one of them's color commentator, the other one calls a game, right? Joe Davis and Oral Hersheiser. And I think it was last year, Joe Joe Davis mentioned somebody he was trying to get Oral Hersheiser to talk about the longevity, the strength, and the endurance of current pitchers. And he couldn't get, he wouldn't, or wouldn't say nothing. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He said, he said, he said that it, it was a different era. Tommy Lasorda used to pitch two games a, in a day when he was, I mean, he was no spectacular pitcher, but he'd be throwing somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 300 pitches a day, um, live action ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, can't imagine any of these guys doing anything. I mean, 100 is an amazing uh, yeah. accomplishment. Yeah. But you're right. There's some there's some old
2: timers that threw like 200 inning shutouts yeah. or complete games. It was just a deer right, a different era.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I, I miss it. I miss that that
0: bulldog mentality pitcher's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When a relief pitcher really was a relief pitcher. I I was looking at yeah. the staff and there's only what there's only like four relief pitchers on the staff. Because <laughs> they just didn't yeah. use them, you know, maybe once in a what, while. My-
2: well, I remember my dad saying, he goes, he said, yeah, as a kid, he said nobody wanted to go to the bullpen because you only were yeah. sent to the bullpen if you weren't very good. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted to be a starter and you just, you you weren't working out mm-hmm. if you went to the bullpen, they they sent you there to be fixed.
0: Yep. yeah. And so, right, guys, I mean, now they specialize. You guys see Joe Kelly last? last oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. <laughs> that that dude's arm is electric. It's magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I- I, I sure hope he stays with the team. Just mm. to, just yeah, I like that guy. That. Yeah, they say he had the absolute filthiest pitch of the year. Overall, that's when he was still pitching. Who who did he come from? The Cubs. Uh, the White Sox. The White Sox, okay. When he was still pitching for the White Sox, and I saw the replay about nine times, I I, I couldn't believe it. it. It looked like there were two balls. <laughs> it looked like they cut away. They cut away at one moment, and then someone threw a ball from first base or something. <laughs> <laughs> Something like like eleven inches of movement, of horizontal movement. Oh, gee whiz. Son of a gun! You know how wide is the plate? <laughs> it, it basically went from one side of the plate to the other. Uh, well, yeah, I just picked up right. his uh,
1: his book, the the, the Damn Near Perfect Game.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm very excited to read it. I haven't started it yet, but I mean, I think like you know he's just unfiltered, just like you know, tells it as it is. Uh, I I, I my understanding is he does go off against the the Astros and the cheating Seattle stuff, so
0: that will be interesting to get. Oh, get. nice! I, I I think I'll see that. I think I'll I'll, I'll read that. I saw you post that on uh, Facebook or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I I got into the habit of reading more reading than I used to do. So I'm gonna try and uh, pick it up pretty soon.
0: I didn't think any of you boys read.
1: <laughs> well, back in the '90s, though, we played too many video games.
0: <laughs> Good thing Derek's not on this. <laughs> No, that, that's that's a fair point. <laughs> get his, get his, point on his <laughs> <mouth>. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just joking, Derek. You know I love you, and I don't really want to have to hear from you. So yeah, I
1: fun. wanted to ask you though, because obviously you're you're the old timer from, from our, our group here. But uh, so back then you would have been probably in your your mid to late eight, uh, uh, 20s, right? In in the 88.
0: Yeah. See, I think I was 20. Uh, well, should shouldn't be that difficult to figure out. Um, 20. Uh, twenty-five years old, twenty-five.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, mid 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 twenties, very cool. Do you remember much about the festivities, the the atmosphere around the city when they won?
0: I I didn't. You know, you know why? I was a a very young uh, husband and father. We we had just had our first baby, and I had started that. I, I bought that concrete pumping company, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um, and I I remember kind of losing touch with the Dodgers for for several years. But uh, just watching them, I always paid attention to the World Series, though. Mm-hmm. I always did. Um, and same thing as the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a Super Bowl watcher and, and I would always, it hasn't, it hasn't been that long. I'd say about 2015 was when Audrey and I started watching Dodger baseball again mm-hmm. uh, since then. It's just, it's just one of those things where um, I wouldn't say that I, I didn't, that I lost my my love for the Dodgers or love for baseball, but I was coaching my kids for a long time
2: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it just took, it just took my focus away from it. Um So I didn't, I didn't really uh, get to experience that. And it's funny because I had a cabinet shop in downtown LA at that time too. I was running the concrete company and and did that. So right below Dodger stadium there on North spring street is where the cabinet shop was. Uh, you would think I would have known. or <laughs> <where the> it. <laughs> Um, I, I listened to the games, uh, regularly on, on AM radio with, uh, with the call with Ben Scully, but I don't remember. What do you, what do you know about it?
1: Well, not, not, not so much. That's why I wanted to ask your opinion. Cause again, Tad and I would have been really young when it happened. I mean, Tad would have just been about 11, right? Yeah, I was in the,
2: we were in the, like, just leaving the fifth grade. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I
1: wanted to get your perspective, if you could remember, because it was unfortunate that because of COVID, I mean, COVID mm-hmm. kind of ran a, rain on rained on the Dodgers parade for 2020.
2: Yeah. But, I, yeah, I remember, I remember the parade. I remember the parade in 88, because, I mean, like, the local stations had it on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, it, I mean, it was a big deal. I remember that. And, I mean, I remember, I mean, everywhere you went, it was Dodger everything. I remember going to the mall. Um like in December for my birthday. You know, I think I, w- I think I went birthday shopping with my grandma. And I mean, it was Dodger stuff everywhere. There was it the the city was still just absolutely a buzz and electric about the World Series. Mm-hmm. Remember, you couldn't turn on the radio without I mean I, I remember the big song back then was that a Tiffany song, uh, Locomo- Locomotion. <laughs> uh and they, they had someone had changed the words to Dodger Motion.
0: Oh. And so like
2: you turn it on the radio it was all it was almost every time you turn on the radio, there was like, oh, we're going to play the Dodger motion again. It was such a big deal. Cool. Um, I think I think a bigger deal than it was when the Lakers won. Because if you remember, the Lakers won in 88 also.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that was the second other back-to-back. And I, I just remember, it, I mean, LA's a Dodger town. As much yeah. as we love the Lakers and, you know, we love the USC Trojans and all these other teams – Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a Dodger town and it became very evident when they won the world series in 88. I mean, the city shut down for the parade.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it was, it was really cool.
1: Yeah. I do remember you making that point before Tad, this is how much the city absolutely loves, loves the Dodgers. So it, it's yeah. fascinating to to hear stories about, like just how massive and huge it was. And again, it's just, oh, it, it irks me with COVID because again, like, uh, I know, but, but, so that's what we're hoping. I mean, again, Uh, if we learned anything from the 88 season that adversity can actually build character. And I think can actually build this team to be tougher. So uh, expecting the team to come out, you know, bat swinging for tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I I think so too, uh, Albert. I I hope so. And I, um, I remember Audrey and I drove down to the beach yesterday uh, because that's what we do. And uh, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, we're thinking about relocating, trying to get closer to our kids. Selling the property here and, and moving out of state, and and you know something, there's something about L.A. and the Dodgers play a big part of that for us. The Dodgers, wow. frankly, it's the Dodgers, Felipe's, and the Temple. <laughs> Those are the <laughs> three things that are really yeah. us there. And I, I said, you know, Audrey, look, look at it this way: if you if you like hockey, we have the Kings. If you like basketball, we have the Lakers. If you like baseball, we have the Dodgers. And if you don't like baseball, we have the Angels. So it's perfect. You know, the angels aren't really baseball.
1: Oh, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, oh, that was guy, you guys are dense, man. No, no, no. I, I, I was confused <laughs> by what you were saying. I
1: thought maybe you I, said step of the tongue. <laughs>
0: I got that on the tip of my tongue this whole time. Right. I didn't think now you were I finished. Like, I was waiting for the punchline. I'm going to pull that trigger pretty quick. <laughs> now I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to have to speak in a different Board, and I'm going to probably
2: give that. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because, you know, with Nick having moved to Texas and living there, um, I thought it was funny in in 2000 during COVID. They remember they played that series in Texas, Mm -hmm. and he went. He said there were more Dodger fans there than just about anything else for those games. But just talking with him, I mean, he definitely, it's one of the things he definitely misses about living in LA.
0: Yeah.
2: Is, you know, he's like, the games are on later. It's harder to get excited about it because no one else cares. Yeah. And when he does come into town to visit, it's always, you know, a Dodger game's always on that schedule. Yeah. It's one of those things he's like, if I'm gonna be here, I gotta go to the stadium. I gotta feel the the excitement
0: of Dodger baseball. Mm -hmm. Because you're right. And here in LA, everybody's a Dodger fan. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's and it's I mean, even just look at the building, look at the stadium. The stadium it belongs in Los Angeles. It's it's got the colors, the blue, the the sky blue. Um, it, it's a beautiful sensation. We spoke before about my history when I was a young boy going and having my grandmother take me with uh, for uh, season tickets and being able to have lunch with the players before the season began for a couple of years there, and, and then waiting, arriving early for batting practice and waiting until they got done with their showers and were leaving. A stalking them in the parking lot, yeah. Uh, signatures, you know. Yep, that's L.A. Man, that's that. That is L.A. Yes, yeah. there's just nothing better in the whole world uh, about you know no other stadium. And to your point too, Ted, the Dodger fans, the Dodger team travels better than any other team in them in in Major League Baseball. Everywhere we watch, any any camera angle, any camera angle you see. There's going to be a Dodger fan in it anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the yep. Yankees, Maybe the Yankees might have that same kind of affiliation, but I don't think there's anybody else. You know, the Phillies may become close somewhere in there. Red Sox, regrettably so. Yeah, but, well, but honestly, it's the it's the Dodgers.
2: Well, and I think I think Dodger fans are generally real fans. I mean, you, I think you find a lot of Yankee fans. Oh, sure, Yankee fans show up when they're good and they're winning. Mm -hmm. You know, but when the Dodgers are bad, I remember that, you know, Albert mentioned previous to 88 uh, and even into the nineties when the teams weren't as good, we still set attendance records. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we support the Dodgers regardless of how good they are. And I don't think, you know, even the other historic teams in the league don't necessarily get that same type of feeling. I think it's right. Tommy Lasorda used to say, "I, I bleed Dodger blue. I think if you grew up in LA, I mean, how do you get away from the legacy of, right? Our, I mean, our parents talked about Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale. And, you know, they were here when the team first came to L.A. And yeah. then you know, to go from there into the 70s when Tommy took over, you know, and they went to the World Series, you know, three times in the late 70s, finally yeah. won it in 81, you know, again in 88. I think that it it's really built a legacy that's generational. Yeah. For families here in L.A. You know, I'm a fan because my dad's a fan. And I know Albert's a fan because his dad was a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, and to me, that, that's what makes it different about being in L.A. It's it's a family thing here in L.A.
0: Yeah.
2: And I mean, even to the point where I remember going to games, you know, sitting out in the pavilion with some, you know, some cholos where you're yeah. at times kind of like, yeah. Dang, man, yeah, I'm like the only white guy sitting out here. These guys look pretty tough, but. You know, if you got the blue color on, I mean, yeah. they're high-fiving you. They got your back. I mean, you're yeah. family when you're a Dodger fan. Yeah, It's different than anything I've ever seen
0: with yeah. other and, teams. And one kind word will will get you a, uh, a, a, a the best barbecue or carne asada that you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Stadium, just pass by the trunk, man. They've got it full. That yeah, is, it's really, it's cool, though. I mean, it's yeah. so cool. That is true. Yeah. You know, the, uh, okay, you guys, what was the greatest play the greatest single play in baseball history and where did it happen and when I mean it comes up every year they talk about yeah. the greatest things the greatest save the greatest play I mean for me it's got to be Kirk Gibson's home run
1: that's what I yeah. would say too I mean true we're, we're homers for the team but you know what I thought was kind of an interesting point so going back to my time as a missionary in Brazil like we talked we're around lots of people who aren't from LA. But like who loves sports and, you know, Utah people, they tend to be really prideful for, for their yeah. teams, for BYU, stuff like that. But so many of them who love baseball would actually talk about that, that home run. It's like, oh, that was actually really something. So even if you don't necessarily view it as the greatest play, I think a lot of people who love sports appreciate it for how great and momentous it was. But but that would be my pick as well, Jeff.
0: I think the top two plays occurred at, at Dodger Stadium. They, they do this every year. Some At some point during the year, they always discuss this. The Kirk Gibson home run and Rick Monday pulling oh, yeah. American flag out of that out of that hairy hippie's hand, who was trying to ignite a polyester flag with a stupid lighter. <laughs> he ripped it out of that dude's hand on July 4th, 1976, and handed it off. And then Tommy Lasorda ran after the guy. <laughs> <laughs> ended up beating the crap out of him and throwing him out of the stadium. But that was that was the best play, and I just bring it up because it occurred at Dodger Stadium. The the two top plays in the history of baseball both occurred at Dodger Stadium. You know, it's mm-hmm. we 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 talk about uh, standing in, in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. You can't beat it. You just can't beat it, being a Dodger fan. Mm-hmm. Well, I so, remember it, uh, know, Tommy
1: Lasorda beat, beat the crap out of the Philly Fanatic one time. That, uh, yeah, I
0: remember that, too. You,
1: you don't want to mess with Tommy. <laughs> that
0: was I'm a real thing. That, but. that was a real thing. That wasn't the yeah. he, he He probably would have went to jail. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, I, I hear people say things like, oh, I just don't like baseball. You know, mm-hmm. it's boring. I don't, for me, I just don't understand it growing up as a Dodger fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you look at, just those two situations alone
0: yeah.
2: that there there's something romantic to me about Dodger baseball. Mm. It's more than just a game, you know, yeah. there's, and when you throw into the, the mix that Vin Scully, yeah. you know, listening to him as a kid growing up and the, the pictures that he would paint when I'd be listening to games, falling asleep at night, because I had school in the morning, there was a romance to it. It was yeah. more than just a game. There was something greater about mm. it. And so it's one of those things that I just don't quite understand when people say that. Oh, it's I don't, I don't understand baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's not to understand? It's it's like watching a great play or a great musical.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
2: know, it's so different than any other sport. I just love it.
0: Yep, I agree. I, I agree
2: think too. I think all Dodger fans do. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe we, maybe we owe that to
0: Vince Scully. I don't know. I don't know if we owe it to Vince Scully or Vince Scully owes his life to baseball. You know, I mean, he would, what what would he have done? Um, He was a talented broadcaster, but uh, you you know, I got cussed out by him. I got, I got, uh, (laughs) yeah, I was, I was was pumping concrete um, at a property, uh, happened to be next door to his in Benedict Canyon. And uh, we, I fired, you know, we get there about 20 minutes early. So the first concrete truck gets there at seven o'clock in the morning. So I'm there at 6.30. And the first thing I do is I start up the engine of the pump to get it warmed up. It's a diesel and I wanted to get it warmed up. And I'm pulling out my hose and stuff. And and I see this 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 uh, red-haired guy sitting in a bath in a bathrobe with a real angry look on his face, and he's marching out of, of his house, and he starts yelling at me from about 20-30 feet away, and I recognize him, and I and I couldn't even talk. And he's just yelling, he's calling me all kinds of names. He's, he's, Sob's come out here every DD day, and you start up that gosh darn blah 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 pump blah 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 blah. You know, because the the guy next door to him was doing a lot of concrete work. And I, this is the first time I had been there, but he was really angry. He said, "It's seven a.m." He said, "Turn that TD thing off until seven a.m." How hard is it for you? I'm saying, "Scully, you're Ben Scully out Oh, oh, if only cell phones existed back then. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. I was, uh, yeah, I was actually well, that's by Vince Scully. That is cool, still love him, (laughs) you know, right? Yeah, I wish, right? That is cool. I wish I could have had that written out on something to have him sign it.
1: You know, it's so funny to hear that story because of, you think of Vince Scully as being so well mannered and polite and etiquette, uh, eloquent with uh, the way he speaks. It's like, oh wow, he actually cussed out our old young men's leader. <laughs> he oh, probably yeah. deserved <laughs> it too. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I guess I did. I mean, that, that's that's a very nice neighborhood, and it was noisy. <laughs> and I was, and it's funny because if 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 I had been the first pumper there, uh, I I probably wouldn't have had that reaction. But uh, apparently this had been going on for a while. <laughs> he was not happy. He was not a happy dude mm-hmm. that morning. But, um, yeah, that's my claim to fame. I got cussed out by Vince <laughs> Oh,
1: Very nice. Love it. Well, that was all the talking points I had for, for tonight. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to bring up about uh, the 88 season or the Dodgers in general?
0: You, you know, I would just I would just add one one quick addendum. It's not the topic that we're discussing today, but the eighty one Dodgers were pretty amazing, also. And that was that was really one of the. Now I was present for that homecoming at the stadium um, when they came home mm-hmm. on that because that was my senior year of high school, and it was that, that was pretty pretty doggone amazing too. Uh, we caught Fernando Mania the first game of the season. That and every time he pitched, we were up there in the cheap seats watching it. And uh, so you're you're right. I mean, it, it all encompassing, but specifically about the '88 Dodgers, that's that 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 there were several lessons there in uh, to be to be had as far as coaching and heart, playing with heart, and using your head. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: I'm with you, Jeff. I I mean, I was young in '81, but that. I mean, I, I loved baseball, from, according to my parents, from the time I was 18 months old. It was really because of that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took them a few years to win the World Series. But, I mean, Steve Yeager was my favorite player growing up. I yeah. absolutely loved Steve Yeager. Yeah. I mean, I hated Mike Sosha for years because <laughs> he took Steve Yeager's job. And as a kid, yeah, you know, that was hard
0: yeah.
2: to see that transition. But, I I mean, that, that 81 team was a ton of fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It yeah. was an amazing team that's true uh yeah i didn't i didn't like uh austin barnes for the same reason because i liked aj ellis so much right but uh but your my wife was, still
2: feels that way because that was her favorite player
0: she still yeah. brings it up yeah oh well well so, yeah. so
2: i mean she brought it up yesterday she said i oh. bet you if aj was behind the plate he wouldn't
0: yeah. have had that kershaw wouldn't have had that kind of game <laughs> yeah maybe not maybe not because what did will smith and i'm not taking nothing away from will smith but i think he's an amazing athlete and an amazing catcher and you know, all around great player, but he was, was, he like 18 years old? You know, I mean, I know he's not 18 years old, <laughs> but there's, there's a certain amount of seasoning that mm-hmm. comes along with being a veteran uh like Steve Yeager or like AJ Ellis. Um, and, that, and, and I, I think, mean,
2: I, I think there's such a legacy with Dodger catchers also. I mm-hmm. mean, Steve Yeager still works with those guys. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? He taught Mike Socia. I mean, there's, I mean, Steve Yeager was one of the best defensive catchers I'd ever seen, which is why I just loved him as a kid. Yeah. But you could see that with Socha. I mean, it's funny. I think more than any other team, you know, Dodger catchers, they have a history. Yeah. You know, and so it's hard It's hard to let go of those guys that you fall in love with who are catchers for the Dodgers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate
1: it. Oh, yeah. of course. Thank, thank you both so it's much good for time. Coming. It's really great to have uh, both of you on, just catching up with old friends, but then also just reminiscing about this uh, historic uh, 35th anniversary, first occurring on October 15, 1988. So it's just amazing how time flies and uh, reminiscing about the, how much we love the team and how much we'll continue to love the team into the future. As Tad mentioned, it's a family thing. So, you know, I've already taken my daughter and we're going to take our adopted son to games and they're both going to grow up. Loving the team. Uh we'll we'll see if they make the right decisions in life and staying with the team, but I imagine they will.
0: <laughs> I think they will. But, I think they will.
1: But you know, you know what's so
2: funny though? Even with our group of guys that grew up together, you can't take Dodger baseball out of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we so much of what we would do revolved around either going to games or watching playoff games or getting together for a game. It it's really funny how it, it's just intertwined really with our all of our relationships together. Mm -hmm. somehow dodger baseball always was involved we would look for reasons to go to games together to get together to watch games um it's probably one of the reasons why i still have such fond memories of when i do watch baseball you know because i do i do think about all the guys you know when i'm watching games at times and the the different fun experiences that we had going to games and some of the funny jokes uh I, that's the way i feel about it it's just mm-hmm. hard to take it's hard to separate that for me when it comes to all you guys
1: mm-hmm. absolutely
0: yeah that's awesome
1: very cool well if there's nothing else for tonight we'll go ahead and wrap up but uh jeff and tad thank you so much for joining me tonight and we'll do this again very very soon we'll get the, the rest of the crew together and hopefully david will join us as well where we can just joke around and have fun together as friends like we do
0: yeah, sounds sounds good. good. Thank you, okay. thanks, Well, Thanks,
1: uh, everybody. You've been listening to yeah. the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody. Love you guys, man.